Thanks for joining us for today's sermon. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working in your life. If the messages of this church have touched you in some way, please share that with us by clicking on the contact tab at lifesc.org to send us an email. And if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do so online to help us bring messages just like this one to you each week. It is our prayer that God blesses you through this message today. I want to preach to you for a little while about only one way. Jesus is only is the only way. It's a fact. So John 14, 6 and 7. I'll try to get there because I have uh, to turn in my Bible as well. John 14. And I'm just going to read verse 6 if you'd permit me. Hallelujah. John 14. I'm at John 6. That won't work. John 14. If you have it, say amen. John 14 and 6. If you don't have it, say oh me. Okay. Preacher joke. I'm just kidding. John 14, verse 6. Are you ready? Jesus told them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you had really known me, you would know who my Father is. For now, from now on, you do know him and have seen him. How can you see a God who has no body? How can you see a God who's invisible, immutable, the only wise God, the Bible says, because you saw him in Jesus Christ, because God was in flesh, Father in flesh, amen? And that's why Jesus is the only way, because he's the only way to get back to the one that we were in initial relationship with, was God Almighty, the Father. Through Jesus is how you get back to the Father, because that is the way that he designed it to be. And so in him, we find the sacrifice for the relationship and repair with God. Amen. I'm grateful that I know that truth. I'm grateful that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And I'm grateful that I found him to be my only way. When there wasn't another way that I could find, Jesus was enough. Amen. Hello, somebody. Has Jesus been enough for you? Come on, let's praise him one more time as we go to the word of the Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. We're grateful that you're the way, the truth, and the life. We only need your name. We only need your power. We only need your touch, Jesus. In the precious name of the Lord, you may be seated in God's house. Now, sometimes when I'm preparing a sermon, I will have it all written out in paper. Sometimes I will prepare it in my notes on my phone or in my tablet. And sometimes I will prepare my sermon and leave it at home. (laughs) That's what I did today. (laughs) I have it in my phone, but I don't have all of it in my phone. And I think that was God's way of saying, I have it, you have enough. I'm just grateful that God knows when to stop me because I love preaching his word. And I know that I can be long-winded if he doesn't touch me. So I'm... I just want to do a little bit of review. We've been spending time in the Pathways series, and I really think that this series has helped somebody, anybody here, feel that way. How many have been thinking of your life as direction and path? Amen? Amen. Several have approached me and said, Pastor, that's been good for me. I'm glad that you preached this to start the year. I've directed my feet in a way that's going to allow me to see my destiny in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. 
And so that was our first week. We talked about the path principle. Anybody remember the path principle? It is this. Your direction determines your destination. Not your dreams, not your intentions, not your hopes, not how much you want it to happen or how much you desire it to happen. None of that matters. The direction you're going is what determines your destination. And so we know that from the first week. We talked about that a, a precaution, the, that we should take precautions and that the wise see danger afar off and hide themselves from it, but the foolish just continue on into that danger and suffer harm. Are you glad you can pray a prayer to the Lord and he hears it? That Lord, if you would please show me danger a long ways off and God will honor that kind of prayer. Amen. He's done it in my life. He's done it in my marriage where I've prayed, Lord, show me danger from a long ways away. Hallelujah. And the Bible talked to us in the second week when we talked about the way of the Lord. How many enjoyed that sermon and that word from God? I really feel like it's not me preaching, but it's the Lord trying to speak to our hearts, amen, about how he must be the walk that we walk, the way that we live, and in order to do the will of God, we must have the way of God, amen? So we review on that. His way of salvation is our way to salvation. And we, view, we reviewed that the way that he died, was buried, and resurrected was the gospel message. But that death, burial, and resurrection is the pattern for us. That his way to the cross, his way to the tomb, and his way to resurrection is also our way. Because if that same spirit that was in Christ be in us, we shall be quickened. Amen? We shall have life. And that's not just talking about the life to come. And I said, yes, we're on our way to heaven. Amen. And I'm grateful that we're on our way to heaven. I did say that. But the way that I'm talking about is the way of eternal life. And that life does not start when we get to heaven. That life starts when we get filled with the Holy Ghost. So if you wonder why God put us as eternal beings on a temporal planet, and then filled us with an eternal Holy Ghost. It's because he wants to live our future right now. He wants to live us to live then, now. And I began to preach that message and I know it impacted somebody because I still feel the Holy Ghost preaching the review, amen? And I definitely know that the only way to get to heaven is to repeat the way of salvation that Jesus had is my way to salvation. So I must repent and die to myself. This is not a coefficient or this is not a codependent relationship with Jesus Christ. Codependent relationships are unhealthy. Somebody said amen. You do not get your health, your hope, your life, your happiness from anybody. You get it because you focus and sought out Jesus Christ. But in order to get that, it's not your way and his way. You don't sprinkle his way on your life like salt and pepper to season the things that you enjoy already and just add Jesus to it. It is a death, brothers and sisters. It is a repentance. It is a full dying to ourselves that we might live his way. Amen, amen, amen. So this is not a codependent relationship. I'm living Jesus's life in me. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. I'm living his life in me. So my way of salvation is repentance in death. 
burial and baptism, Romans 6. Someone said amen. Resurrection, the Holy Spirit infilling, speaking with tongues as the initial evidence that the Holy Ghost came, amen? By Romans 6 and 5 and Romans 8 and 10 and 11, Galatians 2 and 20, tells us we must live resurrected lifestyles, holy, quickened lifestyles. We can't live on dead things. We can't feed ourselves dead things. We must live on living Holy Spirit of God things. Amen. I know you don't need me to yell it at you, but I feel like preaching it today. He's the way in our life. He's the truth. Amen. And so Proverbs, we hit it as I'm finishing the review. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Do you acknowledge Jesus in everything you do? Do you acknowledge Jesus in everything you do? If you can't put his name on your path, Reese, then you need to change your path. You're on the wrong path. So we did all that review. And he wants us to leave his name on anything that we do because he wants to be responsible for our lives to give him glory. Amen. And the footnote there was that he makes our way smooth. That whenever he directs our path, that word directs means he smooths or straightens it out. How many know walking with God is a beautiful thing? How many know walking with God is not always easy, but it's a beautiful thing? Amen. So what he did for us was to walk the way so that we could follow him in that way and so that we could have others follow us. We must live a life walking in the ways of the Lord. The ways we walk, the ways we talk, the ways we think, those are all pathways. And that's why we're in this series. Proverbs 16, 7 says, When a man's ways please the Lord, he will maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. The NLT says, When people's lives please the Lord, even their enemies are at peace with them. How would you like that? You don't have to fight your enemies. You don't have to strategize on how to beat your enemies. All you have to do is walk in the ways of the Lord that please him, and he will make your enemies be at peace with you. That's powerful stuff, amen? I like it, so I'm preaching it. (laughs) All these things are pathways. So I want to begin this week with Pathways 3.0. And this is me talking to you about there is only one way. Anybody notice lately, maybe it's me because I'm a defensive driver, but anybody notice lately that people can't seem to stay in their lane? Come on, somebody, help me preach right now. You're driving down, I had to drive into Chicago five different times, well, three different times I think it was uh, this week. And so while I was going to Chicago, I was blown away by the number of people that moved into my lane. I was like, just stay on your side of the road. It's not that difficult. But they're all texting. They're all talking. They're all doing something. They're all distracted. Their head's not on the road. And the fact of the matter is, that is the truth in our spiritual life sometimes, that we get distracted by the worries and the cares on the road of life. And we can shift lanes and not even realize it. We can start to move off the path that God has designed for us. And I come to tell you today, don't change lanes. Don't get out of the right path. Don't get off the road. Stay in the track God puts you in because it's the best track for your life. 
I'm preaching a one-way in Jesus' name. So we were driving through Chicago, and there's one-ways all over the place. And I thought my turn was coming up, so I pull on out to go and take the turn, and I didn't realize because the road was under construction that there that was a two-lane road, not just a one-lane. And all of a sudden, I had traffic coming my way, and I had to get back into the lane real quick. And people like to honk at you in Chicago. I don't know if you know that, but they sure like to be nasty with their horn. I don't know what honk-honk means, but I do know what ha <laughs> I do know what that means. I'm not very happy about that. And I'm like, I, I don't know where the one way is and where the regular roads are. And I'm really nervous. And so I'm doing one of these numbers because I don't really know what's going on. My GPS doesn't tell me that it's a one way. So I'm looking for every sign trying to figure out, is this a one way? Can I move into the other lane or do I need to stay in my lane? I want you to know you'll never have that happen with Jesus because there's never another path to take. There's never another lane to move into. He's always only the one way for your life. Amen. Hallelujah. So I'm grateful that I know that. And I pull the story for you today in Luke 10, 25 and 37 of the good Samaritan. How many know the story of the good Samaritan? Wave at me real emphatically. You know the story? Okay, good. Some of you do, some of you don't. I'm just going to give you the high level flyover real quick. What happened was a lawyer came to Jesus and he was testing him, trying to catch him up in a conversation where they could then convict him of something. And the lawyer said, you know, how do I get to heaven? How do I live a good life? And it's in the previous scriptures, and one day an expert of religion, the NLT says, of the law stood up to test Jesus by asking him the question, teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus responds, well, what's in the word? That's what Jesus will always respond to you. If you ask him, which way am I supposed to go? What am I supposed to do? He'll say, well, what's in my word? What's my word say? Because my word is the truth. Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? Or how do you interpret it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength, and all your mind. How many know we love to do that in worship? Love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then the teacher of the law got real wise, thought, he would exclude himself. And so he said, well, how, how am I supposed to know who my neighbor is? That's not very easy to interpret. Right, Jesus told him, do this and you will live. So then go on to the next verse. The man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? Next verse. Jesus replied with this story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho. This is not the same Jericho that Joshua conquered. It's good to know this Bible history. This was only a few miles from Jerusalem. This Jericho was the rebuilt Jericho, and this Jericho was like a suburb of Jerusalem, just like Brookfield is a suburb of Milwaukee. So people live in Brookfield and drive into their job in Milwaukee. They spend a lot of time in Milwaukee, but they don't live there. They live in Brookfield. Same thing with this situation. That was a very well-traveled road, but it was a road that had a lot of rocks and hills along the edge of the road. They were close to the road. So there was places for thieves and robbers to hide and not be able to be seen. And so this traveling way was often traveled in twos and threes and in groups because there's safety in numbers often. And so what would happen was there was a story that Jesus launched into about a man who was going from Jerusalem down to Jericho. Maybe he lived in Jericho. We don't know, but this was a regular occurrence. Jesus was using something they knew, Jonica, to teach them something they didn't know. Amen? My brother Jonica tells me that all the time. That's how he teaches. I love it. And so, and he attacked by, he was attacked by bandits and he, and they stripped him of his clothes, beat him up and left him half dead beside the road. Everyone said beside the road. 
No, you have to understand the story because along come some people that could help this man. And those people were, one was a priest and one was a Levite. Does anybody know the difference between a priest and a Levite? A priest was someone who was of the lineage of Aaron. Okay, he was a rightful priest. He was allowed to do all the priestly duties because he was of the lineage of Aaron. A Levite was not of the lineage of Aaron. He was of the lineage of the Levites. And the Levites were the associate or assistant pastors. Amen? They helped out. They made sure there was bread on the table of the showbread that we heard Brother Zapoli preach about on Wednesday night. He walked all over pathways, didn't he? I didn't tell him anything about our series. He was all over it. The Holy Ghost was talking amen I love it when the Holy Ghost does that and so he was talking about the showbread and table and all those different things and the Levites were the service people that came in and took care of the tabernacle the utensils and the different things they cared for all those things so that the priest could do his job as an Aaronic priest or Arian priest and so what we find is that the priest comes along and he's more worried about what he is than the condition of the man on the side of the road. There's a reason why he was concerned. The Good Samaritan was given that name by Jesus. He called him the Good Samaritan. The Good Samaritan was never something that was usually included together. Understand this, good and Samaritan to a Jew is an oxymoron. Okay, kind of like virtual reality or Great Depression, some of those words that aren't supposed to be together, like jumbo shrimp, you know what I'm talking <laughs> like small crowd, original copy, clearly confused, short weight. How many hate those short weights? I hate short weights. True myth, have you ever heard that one? Sweet agony. Who has sweet agony? It's an oxymoron. They're not supposed to go together. How about this one, heavy diet? painfully beautiful <laughs> that doesn't work either that is what they thought was going on when Jesus was talk talking about a good Samaritan because they considered Gentiles as dogs and a Samaritan was the product of a Gentile and a Jew having a relationship that produced a half-breed who was a Samaritan. They were worse than dogs. Ben, they weren't even worth giving time to. They were reserved for hellfire in their minds. They would never be saved. But God said the priest didn't do the right job. The Levite didn't help the man. But along came a Samaritan, and I'm going to change the paradigm of Jewish thinking. I'm going to call him a good Samaritan. I want you to know that God uses the unliked and the unlikely. Oh my goodness, I'd like to preach right about now. How many have ever thought God could never use me? He doesn't have a way to help me get back out of where I've been to be used by God. I want you to know you don't even have to be liked. You don't even have to be thought of very well. You don't have to be a person who has all the things going for you. You don't even have to be the person that everybody thinks is the most likely to succeed you can be unliked and the most farthest from the success story and you can step in and God can touch you and God can use you in a way in a path in a way that nobody else thought you could be used because God is just like that he changes every way of thinking with two words good Samaritan 
I love Jesus like that. <laughs> I love how he does that. And then, so we read through the story. We see that the priest was on one side of the road, and he changed lanes. He crossed over to the other side of the road. The Levite came along. They didn't want to. They didn't want to mess up their ministry. Amen. Sometimes you have to get a mess to have Messiah show up. Hello, somebody. Oh, hallelujah. Amen, somebody. Sometimes you have to have a mess before the Messiah will show up. Sometimes you have to go where the mess is to get the Messiah to show up. Amen? Oh, I know I'm killing that horse. I'm just going to keep on riding that for just a second. I promise you that they were looking at it the wrong way. How many know last Monday was Martin Luther King Jr. Day? He said something that I want to insert in this sermon before we go to the video testimony, which is powerful, and it'll knock your socks off. If you didn't wear socks, it'll knock your shoes off. It's going to be amazing. I promise you, you you'll be glad you came to the house of the Lord today. But Martin Luther King said something very notable about this story, and it's something that I want to share. He noted this, that the priests and the Levites weren't focused on the proper thing. It was their duty, obviously, to keep sacred things in their life and not to touch a dead body. They didn't know if he was dead. Seems to me in the story that he was passed out. He was beaten so much. And they're not supposed to touch a dead body. So they were focused on the wrong thing and they asked the wrong question of their life. They asked this question. If I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? Instead, they should have asked the question that the Samaritan asked. If I don't stop to help him, what will happen to him? And I want to tell you that Jesus asked himself that same question in the garden when he prayed. And he said, not my will. I'm not concerned about what's going to happen to me. I know I have to suffer on the cross. I know I have to bleed out and die for their sins. But I'm not going to lay my life down because I want to do it. I lay my life down because I want to save them. What will happen? to them if I don't die on that cross Jesus asked that question of himself and I want to ask that question of you today as we go to this testimony I want you to know that you must every day ask yourself the question what would happen if I don't be the gospel in flesh today what would happen if I don't tell somebody my testimony what will happen if I don't focus on what God has given me for my finish line if I don't stay in the lane that I'm supposed to be in the good Samaritan only became the good Samaritan because he didn't change and go to the other side of the road. I preach this morning, stay on the good Samaritan side of the road. Submit yourself to God. Amen. And I want you to know that when you're looking for the right path, hear me carefully, this is a huge point in this sermon series. When you're looking for the right path, and when you're looking for the ways of God for your life, realize that you do not find direction by searching for direction. This is a very big point. Please hear me carefully. You find direction from God by submission. 
And what happens? Yes, it's true. Ask Solomon. Solomon had all the wisdom in the world, had all the knowledge in the world. God had blessed him with it. And Solomon could have said, whatever you have for a problem, bring it to me. I'll tell you what to do because I know and I have wisdom. How many know Solomon was the wisest man that ever lived? Because God gave him that wisdom. But Solomon didn't even say that. He said, you must submit yourself to God and his ways because you can do the right thing the wrong way and that's why you need to know that it's not about well when I was there in that position you need to do this because that's what I did some of us have that kind of thinking and I want you to know that that is a strong reasonable mind you are a critical thinker and you're a smart person but I promise you your smarts won't keep you on the right side of the road with Jesus your knowledge will not keep you on the narrow path he designed for you you have to realize that there are going to be some things that come to your life that you want to sidestep. There are going to be some things that come dead ahead of you that God's going to help you live through them and submit to his will and way for your life, not go around them and go past them. And that is why the Samaritan is a good Samaritan because he stayed on the right side of the road. And I preach to you today, stay on God's side of the road for you. Stay in the lane he gave you. Don't get distracted by everything else going on in the vehicle, amen? Taught me when I was young, when you're taking bicycle training, and they put that helmet on you, and they talk to you about riding your bicycle. They say, when you're riding your bicycle on the side of the road, do not look over your shoulder toward traffic, because wherever you point your eyes is where you turn. And whenever you look over the shoulder, there's been so many accidents of kids that have turned into, on, into traffic that was coming on, because they look back at a friend, and as you look back, you automatically steer. And that's why in the first week, I said, whatever captive you is the direction that you turn toward. Then I'm asking you today that if there's something calling for you on the right or to the left, don't go there. Stay in the lane God chose for you. Submit to the path. Hard or easy, submit to the way that God has given you because that's the only way for you. That's the only way for you. Hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost here. I believe God's talking to somebody because you felt like going on around the things that were difficult. You felt like because that's the message of this world, you don't have to put up with that. That's something you don't have to deal with. You are better than that. You're smarter than that. You don't have to deal with that trouble or that trauma. You go on around that by the wisdom that you have, but sometimes it's not right to use just your knowledge. It's right to stay on the narrow way, the pressing way, the hard sometimes way. And that is what Art Wilson did, who was a Metro missionary to Detroit. He decided that if God opened a door at the UN, he was going to walk through it. God made a way for him, Tanya. And he decided as long as the doors open, Jesus is my door. If he opened that door, I'm going to stay in that path no matter how hard that way gets. I'm going to stay on the course with Jesus. And so here is his testimony, and it's going to rock your world. Watch as we watch Art Wilson's testimony today.
excited for what God is doing. It was the spring of 2013, and Sister Alexandra, who works in the elite office of the Secretary General, got healed of a life-threatening illness, and we baptized her in Jesus' name, and she received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Sister Alexandra, why don't you stand and wave at us for a minute? That's our number one soul winner right there. So after she got that experience, she went back to the United Nations and began sharing the story. It shook up the United Nations with questions and concerns. So she called me. She said, Pastor, I'm down here winning souls. I'm down here reaching people, and I've got questions and concerns. I said, where are you doing that at, sister? At the United Nations. I said, my God. I said, you're telling them about what Jesus did at the U. Are you supposed to do that? She said, I've got to tell them what God has done. We are in the end time, Pastor. I said, let's not panic. I need to check some legalities. Amen. Let's pray. We, I went on my knees to pray. And if I've ever heard from God, the Lord told me, you go there and tell them about me and what I have done. And he said, and son, I am going to show you my power. That's what he told me. I called Sister Alexandra. I said, listen, you tell them the pastor's coming and I'll explain everything when I get there. She called me back and said, we've got a meeting set up. I said, bless God, here we come. Me and Sister Wilson brought a few people from our church. We went down into the United Nations. Now, I was expecting a moment in time where we would have about three or four or five people come in. We'd have a lovely session. We'd talk about the goodness of Jesus, and I'd go home. Can I tell you that when we open those doors, come flooding in, let me see a picture, come flooding into that conference room was people coming in by the tens and the twenties. Next slide. They just kept coming in and coming in and coming in. I'm not just talking about anybody. I'm talking about UN ambassadors. I'm talking about delegates. I'm talking about staff members. Listen, I'm talking about Buddhists. I'm talking about Hindus were there. Muslims were there. Atheists was there. The place was full. Let me see my picture. The place was full. We sat down and had church. And God moved. We put up the x-rays of what God had done. There it was and there it was not. We began to talk to them that only Jesus does miracles in this last hour. And when we got to that altar call. I said, here I go. I said, no, 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 folks, but bow your heads. I said, now, you can't, you're the most intelligent people on the planet. I said, you can't deny what God has done. And you can't deny that the woman whom you know for some years is saying it was done in the name Jesus. And I don't care where you came from, but we know the God that's alive right now. 
I said, if you want this experience, why don't you make it known by your uplifted hand? Hands went up all over that place. What was a United Nations chapel turned into an old-fashioned apostolic church. that we have tapped into something that some kind of door had opened that we were experiencing a sovereign move of God we brought those people to the front and we started laying hands on people and the spirit of God flooded into that place and God did incredible things that wasn't it after that service, we were so excited. We all got together. My team got together. And we all sat down. It wasn't this wonderful. There was like, I'm so glad we'd done this. But there was a weight that came over me. Brother Gleason, there was a heaviness that came over me. And I felt that utterance again. I'm going to show you my power. I said, this isn't the last service. Everybody looked at me and said, this isn't the end. This is just the beginning. I said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to have church everywhere and anywhere they'll let us until God closes the door. Something is happening in the Holy Ghost, and we're going to see what God is going to do. We started having church. We started reaching amazing people. Time won't give me to tell you who all we have been reaching, but I will tell you this. God was doing incredible things, but it wasn't long before the opposition came in, for the attacks came in. The attacks on our finances was astronomical. We were stepping out on faith. Somebody hear me. We had to step out on faith. It was not there. We were living by the meal in the bucket, but we were stepping out on faith. Time management was an issue, trying to manage the church in Detroit, trying to get to the United Nations. It was an unbelievable task and I became discouraged this was before anybody knew about it I became discouraged it was general conference 2014 and I'll never forget it sister Vestamangan you remember when you prayed for Bethany and I laid hands on us and prophesied it was like when you prophesied that you were at the United Nations I've never seen anything like it you begin to pray and this is what I didn't get to tell you something broke in the Holy Ghost after you prayed for us I looked at Beth and I said did you feel that we've got to go back and see what God has done all of a sudden we felt exciting again and we said we're going to continue to step out on faith when we got back to the United Nations we didn't get back to the same strongholds we got back to an open door when we came to that open door we all of a sudden had access to have church wherever we wanted to have it. We all of a sudden started having church not just in the chapel center, but in the conference rooms on the 27th floor. We also started having, now we started having Bible studies and God began to move and God began to do incredible things. And now we're having church every week on the 27th floor. Hallelujah. When we can't be there, we show up by television. I mean Skype. <laughs> we have baptized 27 in the name of Jesus. We have seen 10 notable miracles, medically confirmed miracles that have broke out. Somebody say yes. Yeah. 
Some of our powerhouses are in the house. Sister Mariette, why don't you wave at us? She got the Holy Ghost this week. Wave at us a little bit. I just baptized her. And she's already won at least seven people to the Lord. She's already sent me all over the world to baptize people. She's like an ambassador to the Lord Jesus Christ. And she didn't even have the Holy Ghost yet. Sister Marianne, why don't you stand up? This is my personal favorite. When Sister, I baptized Sister Mary Ann and took her down in the water, she came up out of the water speaking in tongues. Now, we're, we're used to that. We're used to that. But it was in which the tongue she was speaking that mesmerized me because I've been taking Hebrew for some time. And Sister Mary Ann came out of the water saying, Yeshua Mashiach, Adonai Elohim. Yeshua Mashiach Adonai Elohim. I said, Sister Alexandra, I didn't know she spoke Hebrew. Sister Alexandra said, I neither did I. I said, Marianne, Marianne, do you speak Hebrew? She said, No. I said, then keep on praising him. She went back to saying, Yeshua Mashiach, Adonai Elohim. I said, you know what she's saying on the platform at the UN? Jesus Christ is the Lord our God. Jesus. Jesus Christ is the Lord our God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There was an open door. There was another door that had opened. Another door had opened at the United Nations. It was in April of last year. Lee Stone King was invited to speak at the 70th Annual General Assembly. Did anybody hear about that? Let me explain to you something about this historic moment. I was there on the front row. I had an aisle seat and I was looking at history in the making, watching him deliver Acts 238 to the world and watching that go viral and millions of people, not not just among us, but millions of people around the world has now viewed that on our United Nations website And I have just been told that since April, every five minutes, 250 people are watching that address. One simple act of faith has shook up the whole world. Somebody help me praise it, right? Hallelujah. Listen, there's a lot more I can tell you. We need to talk. Pull me aside. There's things that I have been told. There's things that I know walking the corridors of the world's elite that I can tell you. But there's one thing we need to know because of the times. We are at the end. Listen, the things that I know, we're at the end. We are days away from the coming of the Lord. I believe that Jesus is about to come again. And I believe I know that he is moving because it is time. One of the greatest, one of the greatest moments of my life, I received a phone call recently 
in this phone call. They said, listen, pastor. I said, yes. They were speaking very broken language because they were from another country. They said, his excellency would like your audience. I said, really? Yes. His wife is dying of stage four cancer. You have to understand something about his excellency. He was not Christian. He was the representative of one of the largest religions on the planet. But he called for the pastor at the UN because he had tried everything. Y'all, y'all need to help me right now. He had There's tried only one way, everything. Folks. There's only one way. And he Amen. decided to call the pastor that he's hearing about, that all of these miracles are happening when they pray. And so I went. They came and got me in a car. They dropped us off at a high rise. They came out and got us, took us up in a private elevator, opened up into a massive suite. Servants came bringing us things. They sat us down on glass furniture and out came his excellency with his wife. I could not believe this must be what Paul felt like when he had the audience of Felix. I sat there and I said, my God, can I tell you, we talked to them about the Lord. We laid hands on them and I just got the report. She is totally healed and I'm going back to see what God will do next. Somebody say yes. I want to tell you it's time. Go ahead and step out on faith. Who knows what God is going to do next. Hallelujah. Let's stand and let's thank the Lord for that. Let's give God a praise right now. Come on, give God glory for miracles happening at the United Nations. Amen. And Brother Art Wilson's testimony at Because of the Times. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Thank you, Jesus, for your power. Come on, be glad you know the one way. It's through Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. And I tell you this as your pastor. We're throwing caution to the wind. I want you to know this. We're doing everything we can to reach somebody. And you need to do everything you can to get that message of healing and hope to somebody around you. If you know somebody sick right now, you've got work to do this week. If you know somebody hurting right now, go and tell them. You need to talk with Art this week. I'll help you talk with Art this week. We'll go pray for Art. I don't care who it is. I'm throwing caution to the wind. I'm giving everything I have to this. If I have to lay some stuff down, I'm doing it. And I promise you this. God's going to open a door. I, I don't know how narrow this way that I'm on right now is going to be, but I promise you, I'm not stepping off the side of the road. Amen? Somebody lift your hands and just ask God to put somebody on your mind right now in the name of Jesus. Put somebody on our mind right now that we can bring to God. We should have people flooding these altars. There's no reason why in a place of freedom like America, we shouldn't have a house full of people, and we should be laying hands on people, and I should be able to pastor them, and we should be spending time time praying for them and having God move and having people filled with the Holy Ghost. I believe that right now Jesus put somebody in our mind. Put somebody in our mind. If you are the only one way, if you're the true God of the New Testament and Old Testament, then help us to share it with somebody. Lord Jesus, help us to share it with somebody. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. If you have your spouse here or a friend, would you grab them by the hand and bring them to this altar? And would you make a commitment to reach for somebody right 
right now. I don't care how it shapes out. I want you to make a commitment to reach for somebody. Promise yourself you're just going to lay down your will, lay down your comfort, and reach for somebody right now. Come on, we've got to do this. Time is short. We heard it. Time is short. You need healing in your body. You need to reach to somebody close to you. You need to somehow get the message of Jesus to them. In Jesus' name, right now, every hand lifted if you can lift it. If you're able to right now, go ahead and begin to worship the Lord. Let your voice out. Let your voice out in this place. I don't want quiet prayer. I want clapping and praising and seeking God and committing to God. Come on, together. We're doing this together. Everybody should be in this altar. If you call this your home church, you should be down here. I know I'm dropping heat this morning, but I'm doing it because God told me that if we don't go after the people that are hurting, he'll send somebody else after them. And I, for one, am not interested in taking another way. I want his way for this church. I want his way for my life. And I want his path for this church. And that is for us to find the hungry and the hurting. Help us, Lord, to think of the people that you put in our way. Help us to stop and not look to the left and to the right and be so busy going about left and right and doing our daily schedules that we miss somebody who needs to know the only way out of their situation is you, Jesus. Would you help us today? In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Come on, together, lift up his name. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do this week. I want you to remember, I want you to write several names on a piece of paper. And I want you to tuck it in a pocket. I don't care how mangled that piece of paper gets. I want you to put some names on a piece of paper. And I want you to commit them to God. And I want you to commit their salvation to God. I want you to write it down. I'm going to text you. Text and church will send out multiple text messages this week about remember to pray for who's on your paper. Remember to pray who's in your pathway. Remember to pray who's on your side of the road. Don't change lanes. We're going to be sending out those sex messages. <coughs> and I know that God's going to reach somebody. I know that he's going to reach somebody. I know that he is. I know that he is, Reese. I know that the Holy Ghost is going to fall in this place. I know that a life is going to be changed. But he's got to do it through us. This only becomes a good church when we stay on the right side of the road and we reach for those that are bruised in the ditch. I want life spring when it's done not to be about us, but to be about who was hurting that we reached to.